Please be seated and let us turn in God's Word to Ephesians, or Ephesians, Galatians chapter 6. My Bible has Ephesians above it because it goes on to the next page. Galatians chapter 6. I love one of my Bibles talks about what, anyway, it has James like chapter 21 or something like that in it because it combined the number from, anyway, weird. Fun with computer-derived typesetting, I think, there. Anyway, Galatians chapter 6. We'll look at the Lord willing, the whole of the chapter this morning. We'll see how, what God provides in time there. So let us hear together God's word, Galatians chapter 6. Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness. Considering yourself, lest you also be tempted, bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one examine his own work, and then he will have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. For each one shall bear his own load. Let him who is taught the word share in all good things with him who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked, for whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption, but he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. And let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. See with what large letters I have written to you with my own hand. As many as desire to make a good showing in the flesh, these would compel you to be circumcised, only that they may not suffer persecution for the cross of Christ. For not even those who are circumcised keep the law, but they desire to have you circumcised that they may boast in your flesh. But God forbid that I should boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything but a new creation. But as many as walk according to this rule, peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God. From now on, let no one trouble me, for I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. Brethren, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. Thus far, the reading of God's word, may he add his blessing to our consideration of it this morning. Brothers and sisters in our Lord Jesus Christ, as we look at this passage, we have the concluding remarks that Paul brings to the Galatians here at the end of this epistle. He tells them how to deal with those overtaken in any trespass that they are to restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself. He reminds them to be generous and to use the things that God has given to them for an eternal spiritual purpose. He who sows to the flesh will of the flesh reap corruption, but he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. He reminds them as well, of the central point of this book, 
of this epistle. Those who would compel them to keep the Old Testament law, especially in regard to circumcision. Notice what their fear is, that they may not suffer persecution for the cross of Christ. What are we living for? What are we here for? We've seen this in our call to worship, that we are here for the glory of God, not for ourselves, and not in that to avoid having a hard time. Jesus told us that if they persecuted him, how much more will they persecute us? For some reason, we have this idea that the Christian life here on this earth is supposed to be easy. That's not what the Bible ever says. Now, God is incredibly gracious. Let's just be very clear there. God is, might I say, excessively gracious to us. And so our lives are not nearly as bad and as hard as we deserve. But brothers and sisters, if we think that somehow we're going to have the good life here on this earth, somebody who says, live your best life now, sorry. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says that our life here is about the glory of God. And sometimes that means cancer. And sometimes, sorry to say, CJ, that means CP. And God is glorified in this. How do we understand that? Because we have the opportunity as those who struggle, and there's so many others, don't get me wrong, that we have the opportunity to say, God, your glory is more important than my physical comfort than my life here on this earth. We live here on this world, and so many people, it's all about me. They're worshiping themselves. You know, the unholy trinity, me, myself, and I. No, we are here to glorify the God who created us, the God who upholds us, and the God who will judge us at the end. Notice what he says. They want to glory In your circumcision, Paul says, my glory is in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. That he is here about the glory of Jesus, the glory of our Savior. And brothers and sisters, may that be true of each and every one of us. So as we look at this passage The theme that we want to see is, do not grow weary in doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. God has a glory set up for his people. Do not grow weary in doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. In verses 1 through 5, we're called to care for one another in Christ. In verses 6 through 11, we are reminded that what we sow, sow, we will also reap. And in verses 12 through 18, we are called that it is far be it from us to boast except in the cross. And so, caring for one another in Christ, he says, Restore a sinning brother in a spirit of gentleness, 
Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. Brothers, he starts out with. Notice that he's dealing with Christians. He's not dealing with those outside of the church. He's dealing with someone who is a part of the church. If a man is overtaken in any trespass, if we find out about someone else's sin as a part of the church, this is again not someone who is hardened in sin. This is a brother who has fallen into sin. Now this can be great sin. Consider the fact that Nathan the prophet was called to David about rape and murder. So just because someone has sinned greatly does not mean that this approach is not called for. So if a man is overtaken in a trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness. Now I've heard many ideas about what this word spiritual means here. Well, what's the context of the whole book of Galatians? The person who is spiritual, according to the book of Galatians, is the person who is living by the Spirit. The person who is trusting in Christ for salvation. By the way, the big difference is not that one of us sinned and the other didn't, right? The big difference is lack of repentance. The church is the gathering of repentant sinners. It is not the gathering of perfect people. If, you, if that is, I need to be somewhere else. Got to understand that. And notice what it says, restore. The goal is restoration. Even in discipline, the final goal is restoration. Now, sometimes we have to discipline. And discipline is there when we do excommunication and those sorts of things. It is to demonstrate to someone how dangerous it is to live in unrepentant sin. That this is an eternal matter of salvation. That's what we are called to do in discipline. Sometimes the only way we can see the enormity of our sins is to be faced with it head on. Now I know this is a hard point, but it is an important mark of God's church that we correctly use discipline. Discipline is love. When you discipline your children, it's not because you hate them. And the same should be true of the church. As we said, the church is the gathering of repentant sinners. And so, Paul says, 1 Corinthians 5, 5, Deliver such a one to Satan for the destruction of the flesh, that his spirit may be saved in the day of our Lord Jesus. The goal is for people to see the enormity of their lack of repentance for sin. And brothers and sisters, God gives people over to their sins. Israel, when they were sent into captivity, were following false gods. And God said, you want to see false gods? You want to live in that? Here, let's go to Babylon for a while. You're going to get this until you're sick of it. Think of Romans chapter 1, the same sort of situation. Hopefully, by the grace of God, they will be called back. 
in a spirit of gentleness. We don't go in guns blazing. We go in in gentleness, in love. And we're going to see aspects of this as we continue forward in this passage. Considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. We do not mess around with sin. It is eternally deadly. So when we are going to attempt to help someone else who has fallen, notice that that sin is probably particularly tempting. We need to be careful so that we are not tempted ourselves. This is one of the petitions of the Lord's Prayer that's often forgotten. Lead us not into temptation. Now perhaps there might be situations where I'm not the best person to go to a person with a particular sin. Perhaps if it's dealing with a woman, it might be a good opportunity for a wise older woman in the congregation to help out. Maybe it's a situation that has to be dealt with, but we need to take precautions. There's wisdom here so that we're not tempted. And he says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. We are called to bear one another's burdens, even in sin. And I think one of the things we fail to do in the church comes out of James, that we are called to confess our sins one to another. We're afraid somebody's going to realize I'm a sinner. Oh, wait. And a particular sin that I might struggle with. We need to get over ourselves and realize that we need one another as the church. And we need to bear one another's burdens. And we need to be able to go to one another and say, I sin in this manner. Help me. And then to have that person not then tell everybody else in the congregation. You know, Grossman, he struggles. <gasps> Guess what? I do. And it is only by the grace of God that I can stand up here. But brothers and sisters, we are called to bear one another's burdens. There are so many ways in which we can do that. We, we as a congregation, I think, do a, a, a great job when someone is in need of, of food and sort of, those sorts of things. That's so important. We're the body of Christ. We help one another when we're down. But we also need to bear one another's burdens in sin and to so fulfill the law of Christ. Now notice, the law we've been talking about is the Old Testament law. And the law of Christ is the law that we have heard earlier, to love. To love those to love our neighbor, to love our fellow Christian. And we need to have humility about ourselves. If we're going to help other people, we need to have humility. If anyone thinks himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. If we think that we're something important, we so easily have an inflated ego 
I struggle so much. I go, you go to kids' basketball games and you see these little cr- kids running around with shirts that say, awesome. Well, you, you think about the shirts you see that people wear. You know, number one and, and, and um, oh, I can't think of the words right off of the top of my head. But th- this attitude that, you know, you're the mud on my boot. That's not how we are to be as Christians. If we think ourselves to be something, we're nothing. We deceive ourselves. When we're nothing, is this not the whole lesson of the book of Galatians? It's not our works. It is Christ. It is His works. We are nothing of ourselves. We deceive ourselves. We have to be so careful because our propensity is to think too highly of ourselves. And so we deceive ourselves. And self-deception is a terrible place to be. We so easily tell ourselves what we want to hear instead of listening to God and to His words. And instead of listening to verse 4. But let each one examine his own work, and he will have rejoicing in himself alone, and not another. Let each one examine his own work. We're so easy and ready to look at everybody else. We're ready to judge. Say, look how bad he is. And it always seems like the only comparison for ourselves is somebody like Hitler. I ain't as bad as he was. But brothers and sisters, we're all sinners deserving of God's eternal wrath and judgment. And Paul calls us to examine our own work. The best antidote to being self-righteous is to consider, honestly, ourselves. If, by grace, we find things to approve, we will be humbled knowing that it is not something we produced by our own power. And if, as we would expect, we see sins and failures, we will be more driven to humility and driven to be gracious to other sinners. Romans 4, 14.4, I'm sorry. Who are you to judge another's servant? To his own master he stands or falls. Indeed, he will be made to stand, for God is able to make him stand. Notice, the salvation of other people isn't up to you and me. It is up to God, and God is able to make His people stand. So we need to consider ourselves instead of spending all our time pointing at other people. Then, he says, continuing verse 4, he will have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. If, as we said, there is by God's grace things to approve, then we can say, look what God is doing in me. But it is so easy for us to rejoice in comparison. And that's the idea here. You guys are rotten. Obviously, right? I'm pretty good. You all know me, right? That's the point here. Is we so easily look down on everybody else. And then, yeah, in comparison, I'm not bad. But I am. And we have to realize, people say, well, if, if the world were full of people that were just as good as me, well, the problem is it is full of people that are just as good as me. 
You've got to realize that. The only thing that we have is the grace of God. And if the world were full of people just like me, it would be just as full of rottenness and sinfulness as it is. Because I am a rotten sinner and only saved by the grace of God. For each one shall bear his own load. Continuing there in verse 5. If it is finally about works, as the Galatians are trying to be taught, then we're going to bear our own load. But if it is by grace, as has been the central thrust of Galatians, it is not about how perfectly we have obeyed. But if we are truly Christians, then how we live is going to look very differently than how the world lives. What are we sowing? What are we reaping? What we sow, we're told, that we will also reap. Those who preach are to share God's other gifts. Let him who is taught the word share in all good things with him who teaches. Another angle on which we will see if we need to examine our works is that there was a spiritual teacher involved. We need teachers. And so if someone has taught us the word, then we need to share in the good things with him who teaches. That means a pastor should have an approximate similar income to an average person in the congregation. That's what that means. And those who receive are taught and are taught the word are called to share those things with him who teaches. 1 Corinthians 9.11 If we have sown spiritual things to you, is it a great thing if we reap your material things? And by the way, pastors will sell themselves short. Honestly, it can be easy to take advantage of pastors, and we see that, sadly, I would argue, across the RCUS, because pastors feel compelled by God to preach. And it's something we need to be careful about. But we're using, we're called as God's people to use our material gifts for a far more important eternal blessing. And that's what we see in those next verses. Sowing to the flesh or to the spirit, do not be deceived, verse 7. God is not mocked, for whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. So where are we sowing? And what are we sowing? Are we sowing the things of God to the glory of God? Or are we living to the love of the flesh and to receive eternal judgment? He who sows to the flesh, verse 8, will of the flesh reap corruption. If we are sowing for our earthly pleasure... We will, of that earthly pleasure, receive judgment, corruption, eternal judgment. Or are we living to the love of eternal life, to the glory of God? If we are living and sowing what God has given to us on this earth for eternal things, then we will receive everlasting life. He continues, and do not grow weary while doing good. I think that can become difficult for us as human beings. Let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. It can be easy to say, well, I've done good for so long, that's enough. No. After a while, 
we ask the question, is it worth it? And God answers us very clearly, yes, in due season we shall reap if we don't lose heart. We are called to live following the pattern of Christ, who for the glory set before him endured the cross. And so the hardships and the endurance of this world is nothing in comparison to that. But we can easily lose heart. We easily fall away from doing what, that which God glorifies, glorifies God. And our hope, as we talked about as well in our um, adult Sunday school, is as Jesus asked, when I return, will there be any who believe? Our hope is not in ourselves and in our strength. It is the power of God. We talk about the perseverance of the saints. And that might be helpfully reworded the preservation of the saints. It is by the power of God that we are preserved. It is not because we are so smart or so capable in and of ourselves. It is God who preserves us. Therefore, verse 10, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. As we have the opportunity, well, what does that mean? Does that give us an out? I didn't have an opportunity there. There are some things that we are called to think about here. As we have opportunity, we are only going to have opportunity while we're on this earth. Someday we're all going to die. Are we going to be able to help out much then? Some people, well, I'll give it to them in my, in my will. No. While we're on this earth, we can help out much more than just in the will. As we have an opportunity, the, one of the messages of the story of the Good Samaritan was that there are people who come into our way and we're called to help. But if I don't see it, there are places where I can't help. Sometimes, you know, we get these things sent to us in the mail from help this guy over in Africa and different things like that. And I would argue that we live in a world that's so connected, I would argue that it's very difficult to help in all of those places. And so, as we have an opportunity, we can bankrupt ourselves with help here, help there. But brothers and sisters, we are called to help. As we have the opportunity, do good to all. Notice, we are called not just to be caring for those in the church, but those who are outside of the church as well, but especially for those who are of the household of faith. There is a priority here to those who are of the household of faith. When there are opportunities to help both, but we can't do both, we're called to do good to the one who is a believer. And Paul says, see with what large letters I have written to you with my own hand. Paul uses his writing as an opportunity to do good. And he could perhaps, and we see that in the next verses, become weary of these Judaizers who are trying to push the, the Galatians into following their ways. But let us do good. And Paul says this large letter is an example. It doesn't always have to be money. 
giving ourselves, giving opportunities that we have to help people. He says, far be it for me to boast except in the cross. There are others who are boasting to obey the law that they're not themselves keeping. He says, they're hoping, they're compelling you to be circumcised only that they may not suffer persecution for the cross of Christ. They're trying to make a good flow showing in your flesh, compelling you to be circumcised, to obey these Old Testament laws. And Paul shows us, as we've looked through Galatians, that we can be so easily pushed into do this, do this, do this, do this, do this. Only Christians are the ones who do exactly these things. And God says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And yes, what will arise out of that is different. But brothers and sisters, we're not saved by our works. And their only reason, he says, is so that they would not suffer persecution. He says, not even those who are circumcised keep the law, but they desire to have you circumcised so that they may boast in your flesh. Now, very interestingly, should people be seeing whether or not you're circumcised? And yet they want to boast about it. No. This is not something to boast about. What does Paul say? My boast is only in the cross of Christ. God forbid, verse 14, go back to the beginning of the chap of the book. Let those who preach any other gospel be accursed. God forbid that I should boast in anything except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. We need to be boasting in the gospel of Jesus Christ, the salvation bought by him, not in our own works or even in someone else's works. I think it's almost laughable, and yet we do that. And he says, by whom the world has been crucified to me and I to the world, that the world does not become important if we are living to the glory of God, if we are living in the Spirit of God. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything but a new creation. The fact is not about the ceremonial laws of the Old Testament. And it is not about our exterior. It is about the power of God, the power of Christ in us, that we are new creations. We are living as those who have been bought with the price of Christ's blood. Created by God for good works, Ephesians 2. And as many as walk according to this rule, peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God. The Israel of God is not anybody who has an address in Israel or perhaps the descendants of the Jews. The Israel of God is those who believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And those are the ones who, go, who are going to walk according to this rule, according to the rule of faith. Peace and mercy. Peace. Peace with God. Mercy from God. Go back to the apostolic blessing at the beginning of Galatians. These are the people who receive peace and mercy. Those whose hope is in the sacrifice and death of Jesus Christ. Not those who think that somehow we can work our way into heaven. That we can be good enough. These are the true Israel of God. And he says... 
From now on, let no one trouble me, for I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus Christ. He sends the Lord's blessing from one who has bled for the gospel. These who are teaching false teachings of salvation by works have taught in the name of Paul, and they really bothered him because they taught false teaching in his name, so much so that he wrote this epistle. And he says, let no one trouble me. For he bore in his body the marks of the Lord Jesus. What's that meaning? Because he has preached the gospel, he was beaten, he was left for dead, he had received 40 stripes minus one numerous times, he had been shipwrecked and so many other things. Paul says, the gospel is the gospel of Jesus Christ. The sufferings of a Paul were an opportunity for him to point to the reality of Christ's sufferings. And the same is true for you and I. Suffering is not a random. It's not something to hide from. It is an opportunity for us to point to our Savior's suffering. That our Savior willingly went to the cross to save you and I from the suffering eternally which we deserve. Paul says, Colossians 1.24, I now rejoice in my sufferings for you, and I fill up in my flesh what is lacking of the afflictions of Christ for the sake of his body, which is the church. That Paul was willing and ready to suffer for Christ, and we ought to be as well. And in those sufferings, in those trials, to glorify our Savior and say, this suffering is nothing compared to what Christ suffered for me. It's an opportunity in suffering to point to him. And he concludes by saying, Brethren, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. Paul ends this epistle rather abruptly. Oftentimes, and my wife even asked me this week, so we get to see who he's addressing and and saying hi to at the end here, right? And I said, no, actually, Paul ends abruptly. And he points to them. Brethren, he calls them, instead of saying this person, that person, the other person, he greets them with the the hope of the gospel, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. That we have that given to us. That we have grace from God, undeserved favor, eternal life given to us. And brothers and sisters, as we live here on this earth, and as we walk as Christians, we need to understand the hope that we have is not in ourselves, not in how good and perfect we can be. It is because God has saved us and that we are not to grow weary in doing good because God has something far better waiting for us. And so we can even suffer and we can bear one another's burdens. And we can live here sowing the things of this world for an eternal benefit instead of trying to do it according to our works, save ourselves by how good we can be. Because as we so often are reminded, even our best works are stained with sin. And so, brothers and sisters, our boast is only cross of Jesus Christ. Amen.
Let us rise, let us bow before our God in prayer, and we'll close this prayer together with the Lord's Prayer. Shall we pray? Almighty, gracious, heavenly Father, we praise you, we thank you for your amazing gift to us in Jesus Christ. We thank you that he despised the shame of the cross and willingly went there for the purpose of our salvation. Help us, Lord, as we live in this world, to follow after Christ, to take up our crosses, and to despise the shame of this world. We pray, Lord, that you would help us to bear one another's burdens, to so fulfill the law of Christ. Help us, Lord, to sow for eternal purposes, to use the things that you provide for us on this earth, not to sow to our flesh, but for eternal glory to you. We pray, Lord, that we would not boast, perhaps, in other people in getting them to follow our ways, but to boast in the gospel of Jesus Christ, in the eternal hope that he has given to us. For we pray these things through Jesus, praying as he taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.